0: Welcome to the Run Your Day Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you expand your capacity, take your life in every area to an entirely new level, and creating a day and a life by design. Here's your host, Dan Hafner. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Run Your Day Podcast. As always, your host, Dan Hafner here. I am joined by Trisha Silverman here who is a nutritionist and award-winning and Amazon international best-selling author of Healthy Dividends in- Investments in Nutrition Movement and Healthy Habits that Pay Off. She's a registered dietitian, fitness instructor and wellness coach and I'm very excited to have her on the show and we are going to have quite quite an episode for you here so Uh, Trisha, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to everyone and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Dan, for having me here. I am Trisha, your nutritionist for the next half hour that we have together. And I am a wellness coach and a fitness instructor besides being a dietitian. And I teach healthy aging and nutrition entrepreneurship at Northeastern University, And I travel around the country, pre-COVID anyway, teaching at fitness conferences. And I also have been in Canada teaching at a couple of fitness conferences out that way over the last few years. So really excited to be here and to chat with you and talk anything nutrition.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. My uh, Side note, my sister's actually a registered dietitian. Shout out to her. She's listening to this. so. uh, Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, this will be fun. So uh, you mentioned pre-COVID, all the different things you know, traveling around to that, how has that changed for you? You know,
1: it was very interesting. I was really scared early on what was going to happen to my business because I'm an entrepreneur. And years ago, I decided not to have all my eggs in one basket. And I needed to create many different baskets. And that paid off for me during this time because I have I coach, I work at a unit at the university and I speak at conferences and I speak for employee wellness and I have different client groups. So I got scared in the beginning that, you know, what is all this going to fall apart? But because I had my eggs and, and, I, and the book came out, so that was another kind of basket. And I worked harder than I've ever worked in my life when COVID happened to, so my business didn't fall apart. I was working days, nights burning the candle at both ends and also working weekends to stay afloat. Wow. And I've been busier than I've ever, ever been. And I've, I've been fortunate and I'm very grateful for that, but it, it's been a scary time. And a lot of my friends who are in the fitness professional world lost their jobs right away and they're recreating themselves online and, and it's so hard. So I feel for everyone who has to, who's been dealing with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to come on. Um I'm not for what you just said, but because you're, you know, an entrepreneur coach and and fitness coach which kind of ties in nicely with with this whole theme of the Run Your Day show, but um let's talk a little bit about um about your book. It's called Healthy Dividends, right? Yes. Okay. So, you know, you say that your, you know, your book can help people live like a longer life. So, what suggestions do you actually include in there? Um, for living longer?
1: Well, it's it's a great question. And I've looked at through working at Northeastern teaching the health, healthy class or healthy cor- healthy aging course. I've looked at cultures across the world that are known for longevity, like Okinawa, like the Mediterranean region. And there, there's some that are not as well known, like Vilcabamba in Ecuador and Hunza in northern Pakistan and Abkhazia in the former Soviet Union. And these areas have people that live very long lives, but they don't have the cancer and heart disease rates and the diabetes and Alzheimer's that we have in our country. We actually have a longevity culture also known as a a blue zone in in the United States and that's Loma Linda, California. I was lucky to have visited there, but I'm, I'm intrigued by people living long lives and when you look at those cultures, one thing they all have in common is eating lots of vegetables. So we wanna think about when we make meals, when we eat, are we getting in vegetables and trying to get half of your plate as, as vegetables at lunch and dinner. And once you get doing that, if you're not already doing that, that should be where we start. But then think about, can you incorporate them into your snacks if you're not doing that already? And in Abkhazia, they actually have salad For breakfast with the cornmeal porridge and their porridge it's another word for like our oatmeal you know we could have oatmeal in the morning but many people don't think about vegetables for breakfast but it's something we can do and it can be as easy as putting spinach in your smoothie and you know why not have a salad with your with your breakfast or leftover vegetables from dinner or if you're eating eggs you know put some vegetables in there. So vegetables are really key. Another one that's interesting, beans. You see beans, you know, yeah. across all these cultures and beans are certainly food of longevity and they have a lot of micronutrients that fuel your health, fuel a healthy mind, fuel healthy skin. And many people um, just aren't even, maybe they're not eating beans at all, or just not getting getting enough. So we, we do want to get them in. And by beans, I mean all kinds of beans. So lentils, cannellini beans, black beans, pigeon peas. And many of my fitness friends like to follow the, the paleo way of eating. And I think when people go paleo, they clean up their diets. And I'm grateful for that. And if they're eating more fish, great but we do want to limit the red meat to live a longer life and replace some of the red meat with beans in your diet. So too much red meat is associated with early mortality when you look at large studies and unprocessed meat is, um, well, processed meat is a little, you're worse off than unprocessed meat. So if you are going to do red meat, do the unprocessed meat, move away from the hot dogs and cold cuts and sausages and things like that but the vegetables key and beans and then aside from nutrition and there's many more things we can do for for nutrition eating more fruit in your diet um there's other things that are associated with longevity like having a purpose that's really key and you know in covid time it's It's tough for people, and if you lose your job, it's good to you know find find a purpose and maybe that's calling up people and 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 sharing bits of joy, bits of kindness however you can and um, I think it's key to just try to keep it as positive as you can because that's another longevity factor in addition with purpose and it kind of goes hand in hand with being more positive, but being more positive is associated with longevity. So we need to do things to kind of stay uplifted.
0: Wow. Very, very interesting. So um, I get, that kind of leads into my next question. But before I go there, just a side note, um, I never thought about a salad for breakfast. I know, um, isn't that? But it's, it's, it's funny food. you say that because uh, that's actually one thing when I started down like this whole path, I was introduced to the concept of a green smoothie, um, uh-huh. which has forever changed my life. I've I've done so many Great. different um combinations of it like from just actual spinach and bananas and kiwi and strawberry to like pre-made ones to like stuff ones you buy in the store that probably have too much sugar Uh, but like all kinds of different stuff but either way just um, never had a salad for breakfast but with the the green smoothie game I'm I'm all in on that I do love that Um, so that's that's cool but I mean you mentioned something too which kind of led me into the, the next one was you know what do you feel like, how do you feel about like the keto diets and and, um, uh, and the, like intermittent fasting and stuff like that? You mentioned the paleo diet, but what do you think about those?
1: Well, it, it's a, that's a fascinating question. I like the intermittent fasting. I think that it shows a lot of promise. Of course, I think more research needs to be done on it, being the dietitian side of me is always looking for more research. But I have read an interesting study out of JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, on intimates in fasting and and older adults. And and, uh, just looking at, there's different fasting protocols. And I think that the time-restricted feeding is really interesting. And this seems to be a lot of good results when you can stretch the time out between your last meal at night and when you eat again the next day. And so I think it's really interesting. I think I, I have one of my, I meet clients where they're at and help them. However, they, I take an individual approach for everyone. One of my clients, um, has been doing really well with intermittent fasting. So great. But I have another client who is vegetarian and I have other, you know, I, my clients run, run the gamut of how to get healthy. But what I find with um, intermittent fasting that's really crucial is that when you do eat, you're eating healthy food. Now, if you're doing intermittent fasting and you're combining it with keto, I don't agree with that. I think that keto has its place for for people who have epilepsy, which that's where the research is on on keto diet. But the reason I don't like it is we don't know the long-term effects, and when you look across the world at different cultures who live long lives, no one's eating the keto diet. In fact, no cultures have been eating the keto diet for hundreds of years. For even 50 years. We don't know any cultures like populations that eat that way. So the people that are doing that are are guinea pigs. And I'm concerned about long term health. From all the research that I've read, and I've actually written a nutrition for active aging certification for a fitness company, and I read tons of studies when I came up with that, that manual. Unsaturated fats are the best fats for your brain as you age, for a healthy brain long-term, saturated fat is associated with inflammation and red meat has saturated fat. Um, so we want to be be really careful, as I mentioned, with the with the red meat. But even if, let's say, you're on keto and you're like, I'm going to eat extra virgin olive oil and avocados and just good fats. Well, as dieticians, sometimes we simplify things a little too much. And when we talk about extra virgin olive oil, we call it a monounsaturated fat. But when you look closely at the label, you'll see there's some saturated fat in there. So if you're only doing what you think are healthy fats, eventually it'll be too much saturated fat. And then that's where we can start um, amping up the inflammation that we don't need, especially during this time of COVID. You don't want to be eating all that fat and then not be getting enough fruit. Fruit helps to protect your immune system. And that's, you know, another thing I worry about, that real low fruit. I recommend at least three servings of fruit a day and getting different colors of fruit. So not everyone can see that, but you can in the back of my mm-hmm. kitchen here. And this is my this has been my workplace now for the last few months. I have a rainbow poster, and that's when I do my employee wellness and conference presentations my poster is always up there to remind people to eat the rainbow. And if you're doing keto diet, you're not getting the rainbow of of fruit. Well, it's very, very low in fruit, the keto style of eating. And I, I worry about that and not enough fruit and too much fat. And I also worry because if people are telling, like trainers are telling people to eat this way, it's not within the scope of when you look at the National um, Academy of Sciences and you look at the percentages of macronutrients. So I think um, for many reasons, I'm just, I'm not a fan. Also for athletic performance, the research is not in favor of the keto diet. When you look at the um, large amount of evidence is against the keto diet in terms of athletic performance. There are some studies that um, may support it, but there we need more, many more studies, but most of the studies do not support a keto diet for athletic
0: performance. That's interesting. And you, <laughs> you mentioned something that, that I kinda wanted to touch on too is like the, the, the word fad that caught my my attention, right? Because you know I think there's there's a mix between like in our world today, everyone wants to be on the next fad and the next like thing like the next TikTok type thing, right? Um, right. but it's interesting, like what you said. There's not a lot of places around that you've seen that have done something similar to the keto diet for a long time, and that just kind of there's there's a lack of empirical evidence. Like I, I don't really care either way. I like I'm, just, you're the expert here, but um, but it, but that's interesting because that's like one thing I've been talking about lately is like that that concept of consistency and yes, and that kind of ties in with that. So, so that's interesting. I'm glad you you offered your take on that. So. Um, an interesting question here. Um, I was doing a little bit of research and I I came across something on your, on your site. And can you tell, can you tell us here a little bit more about, uh, I hope I'm saying it right. Franken foods. (laughs) What, what is Uh, a Franken food? That
1: is so funny. Um, yeah. So Franken food is food that you can't grow on your own. So For an example that you don't want to eat, Um, one of the popular restaurants came out with a quesadilla um, burger. And it's combining like two things that really normally wouldn't go together. So I call it a frankenfood or I saw a, a seven up cake. That people and you can't grow seven up on a tree, what? and you can't, you know, you can't grow Oreos on a tree. So I call Franken foods these junky foods that have too much sugar, too much salt, too much fat, and they're okay. foods that we we just can't. You don't get them from from nature. You know, maybe Keebler, you can grow a a, a cookie, so I might have to give them that, but. Uh, <laughs> but you know, for, for the other, you know, all these other Franken foods, it's just junky food. And when you look at the food additives, uh for example, BHT is butylated hydroxytoluene used as a preservative. And that is banned in the in the EU, but we use it here and it's in foods like Chex Mix, Light Cereal, and on Triscuit you'll see that it's added to the packaging, both the foods rubbing against the packaging, you're going to get some on there and it's in most gum and gum is one of the biggest frankenfoods too. I call gum is like a witch's brew of nasty ingredients and BHT is one of those ingredients often used in in gum and gum companies are very sneaky because they have something called gum based on the label. They don't want you to know what that is, but if you Google gum-based FDA, you'll see interesting things like rubber type of material can be used to make gum. And as a dietitian, and your your sister probably would feel the same about this, we never learned how you digest rubber and plastic type of materials. I, I don't, it perplexes me. Where does that go? How do you absorb that? And yeah, you shouldn't swallow gum. And I remember the rumors when I was a kid, don't swallow the gum. And I think I believe pretty much believe those rumors because uh, I uh, don't know where it goes. And I hope that we're passing it through and that it becomes, you know, part of your feces. But it's um pretty fascinating to me. And now you might think, well, you can't really chew on rubber, but they add a plasticizer to it. And that's in, you know, you look up gum-based FDA, you'll see approved plasticizers. So they have to add another chemical to make the rubber that you eat chewy. And then some of the gums have almost all the artificial sugars on the market in them. It's unbelievable. And why do they do that? Well, some of these artificial sugars may have an aftertaste. So they put another artificial sugar in to balance that out. But... People don't realize the gums, they, you know, the fancy packaging makes it look good and the cool names of these gums and the cool commercials, but people don't really know what they're eating. And in animal studies, the diet sugars have been associated with cancer. And in diet soda is another Franken food um, because where do we harvest that? I don't know. Um, and diet sodas have been linked with heart attacks, stroke, and dementia. And it, it just, it's shocking to me that these things are even available on the market. And I used to be a diet soda drinker. I just didn't know, like many people just don't know. And I have, have to say that many people have quit some of these foods, especially gum. I have an international gum collection from all the gum that I've collected across the U.S. and into Canada, because when people hear about what's in gum, they're just shocked. One lady I wrote about in the book, her name's Julie, And she's from Florida and she gave up gum after coming to my presentation and we stayed in touch and the headaches she had her whole adult life went away and she went to all kinds of doctors to try to figure it out and gave up gum no more headaches. I don't know if that's from the aspartame which is a very junky sugar if it's uh, a artificial sugar if it's from the aspartame or if it's just from that chewing motion, from chewing that gum so much, or some kind of combination of the two. But I would say don't eat, you know, try to cut the gum out if you can. And, uh, and that doesn't go, by the way, I've taught smoking cessation in the past. I am in favor of, for a short period of time, using the gum for quitting smoking, but that's supposed to be temporary. That's but other than that, yeah. gum, I'm not a fan.
0: Okay, so if you're you're quitting smoking, it's okay, but that's that's unbelievable. I didn't know any of that.
1: Isn't that crazy? That's
0: crazy. And side it's note crazy. can you imagine an Oreo tree? <laughs>
1: just, I would love that tree. Just
0: imagine that right now, everybody. <laughs> Oreos a plenty.
1: <laughs> you know, with the genetic engineering and the genetically modified foods, you may see that someday. You really might. <laughs>
0: that would be something that would be something so so um we got a little bit of time left here um explain to me how like how did you get into like how does your entrepreneurship coaching you know tie into all of this
1: yeah so I became an entrepreneur back in I think we're all entrepreneurs by the way at heart it's just do we express it and back in yeah back in 2000 whoops sorry about that Back in 2004, I opened my own company, and I I got my MBA looking to um, learn how to run a company. I don't think you have to get an MBA to be an entrepreneur by any means. I think you can be self-taught, but I did that because I wanted to, to learn, and it really helped me tremendously, and I just love developing new ideas and helping people out And in that course that I teach at Northeastern University, I've had many students come through that have gone on to open their own. A lot of them are nutrition businesses, but other businesses as, as well. And I just love to help people. And I think that it just takes, you know, thinking about a, a plan and, um, I think everyone can can do it. Like I think everyone should think about writing a book, especially if you're an entrepreneur, writing, a, writing the book has really changed the game for me. And I think that that's for, I recommend it in my course so much that it's one of the best things you can do is to write a book. And I've known that for years. Finally, I got mine out last year, but it really has been a game changer. People will hire me much more, um, much faster than in the past to do a seminar for example and i've been employee wellness for years since 2005 doing employee wellness and people used to you know i'd have a few emails a few phone calls and now it's like it's much faster you know maybe one email maybe you know to to like get the ball rolling maybe one interview and it's just surprising to me but it, it is a And I was told this beforehand, before I wrote it, it's a credibility booster and it's still the same me, but people just see you in a different light with a book and it can really boost your business. So for people who are at home, maybe not working so much with COVID, it's a good time to think about writing a book.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that. That's actually one thing. I haven't really entertained much of that thought, but that might be something that might be on the horizon for me next year. Um, I do tell my wife, I got her for our first anniversary. I did write her a book. It was like a story of our dating life up till we got married. And I got it, it's a physical published book. So I tell her I'm a published author.
1: (laughs) You should publish that, you should sell that. You could, you already have it. Your product is, I mean, wow, you could, and you you could take that and you could, I, I love like brainstorming but you can shape that as a guide to help other guys. So it could be almost like a a dating or relationship type type of book to help other people. There's so many ways it could be turned into a self-help book or a memoir.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, you have it, you already wrote it.
0: Yeah. That's wow. good, I haven't thought about that. I haven't thought about yeah. That, so. Well, that, that kind of, uh, that kind of brings me to a, a, another question I wanted to ask. And I always, I always like to ask, um, people that that are on the show something something a little bit deeper right so you know you talk about all this different stuff of starting a company and all these different things so can you describe like your biggest business or life setback and how you overcame it you might have answered this earlier but yeah
1: it's funny you say that um so I'm going to address the COVID thing again, but just dive deeper into what what it what it takes and what it takes to I think be successful at what you do. And I think it takes grit and extremely hard work. And for whatever you do, for every 10 no's you get you know, the 11th might be a yes. So like keep plugging away and you listen to people like Gary Vaynerchuk. And when you, have you, I don't know if you've, if, if you have ever had a chance to listen to him or read his books, but he's very interesting because he talks about how many years it took to become successful. We all just hear his name now. Many people haven't even heard of it yet, but he, there were many years that took him to get where he needed to be. And for me, it's been many years. And, you know, over the last few years I've won a few different awards and, um, and I think people start to think, oh, you know, she's lucky this, that. And some of it is a little bit of luck, but it's hard work. I read a lot of books about actors and same thing when you read about comedians and actors that it's many years before they actually get, get known. And it's just putting in that hard work day after day, working many hours. And I think success doesn't come easy. It often can look easy, but it's the hard work behind the scenes. And I remember seeing a picture of an iceberg. And when you see like a little bit of ice coming out above the water, Um, And if you think that's like someone's success, like, oh, wow, look at that iceberg, but underneath that iceberg is really huge underneath the water. And that's all the hard work that went in. And then people just see kind of what's above the, above the water, but below what, what took to get to the top of that iceberg was just a lot of hard work and grit and time and sacrifice. And I have you know, there's been many times I haven't gone out and, you know, have been in on weekends just working. And um, I think hard work is really key. And that's what I went through with COVID has to be, I think, you know, I always thought there were other setbacks in the past, but this has been the, the biggest setback on one hand, but the way that I worked at it right now things are going okay, but it's still, I'm still working so hard because I don't know what next week or next month will will bring or two months from now. So I think the key is grit and keeping yourself really positive. And that's things like meditation, reading positive literature, getting outside for walks, getting some sunshine, drinking enough water is associated with feeling better. So there are a lot of little, and eating, of course, eating good foods, Salad is a feel good food, by the way. So all of these things, I think together can, um, you know, hopefully anyone listening, this can, you know, help you out and inspire you if you're feeling down around um, this, this time.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I could add a lot to that, but I'll just leave it because uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I've, I've, as you're sitting there explaining all that, I'm like, yep, yeah, I've, I've through that I've, I've i know that's true like but two years ago when i started this whole thing like i'd have been like okay yeah cool right but like sometimes you just got to go through that stuff to really appreciate like wow you're right like when you say it takes a lot of hard work you're not kidding like that's true so
1: and podcasts I mean, i give you so much credit it i know there's a lot of work behind that just learning all the technology and figuring out how to get it all loaded and getting guests and then editing and putting it all together. There's just so much into it. And I I think that's a lot. And people, they see the end result and wow, he has a podcast and that's great. Not knowing that it's how much work is behind it. And I haven't even done that yet. I've been on them, but I've gone to um, a couple of sessions on at conferences on how to do a podcast. And it's like, wow, there's a, a lot that you have to know about.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easier than ever today. Um, I will say that, but then the same goes with you, you know, like a a lot of people will be like, well, you know, that's, that's a, that's a coaching business. Like I could do that. That, that seems pretty straightforward. And then you sit there and just kind of like, well, you haven't seen like all the work that it took to actually build that up too. So that's, I give you props for that for sure.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: So I guess uh, as we wrap up, just, you know, tell people where they can find you and, um, you know, how they could, you know, find out more about what you do and, and, um, you know, just kind of contact you.
1: Great. Thank you. So I am, uh, my website is trishasilverman.com. That's T-R-I- dot com. I have a free chapter to my book on that on my website. You can contact me through the website. I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook a lot. And I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So please join me on social media. And it'd be great to stay in touch with you, Dan. I really appreciate you having me on. I think your show is great. I've listened to it and I've learned from it. So um, I'm excited to listen to even more episodes. And um, I really, I'm honored to be a guest and thank you for having me. I appreciate your time and and your help in me getting my message out there.
0: Anytime, anytime. You're always welcome. I always like to have, um, haven't had many people return on the podcast yet, but we're still kind of circling that, you know, so, you know, sometime down the road, the door's always open. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you very much, Tricia. It was a pleasure having you on. Um, that is going to be a wrap for this show. Everyone um, as always, um, I guess we'll just wrap it up. We don't have to plug anything else. Uh, this is Dan Hafner signing off. Make it a great rest of your day. Thank you, Dan. Hey, have you ever thought about joining a virtual run challenge? As COVID-19 continues to upend our lives and change our life routines, finding fresh ways to challenge yourself physically can be difficult. I know I'm having trouble with that. It can also be pretty hard to connect with others and find accountability partners for the purpose of fitness as well. That's why we created RunWage Virtual Challenges. RunWage Challenges are a new and exciting way to stay physically active and maintain social distancing. Every challenge takes place 100% online, and you can compete against and engage with runners from all over the world. Best of all, they are the only virtual challenges out there which actually reward participants with real cash. That means you have no excuse for staying inactive during this pandemic. So if you've been looking for a fresh and interesting way to stay active and get your miles in, go to runwageapp.com slash virtual challenges to join me and the diverse community of runners already competing. That's runwageapp.com slash virtualchallenges. Can't wait to see you there.